Today's show is sponsored by the Airbnb Kickstart course. My wife and I started our first Airbnb here in the last year, and we've come to love the ability to earn more money than we would if we had a long-term rental. If you're interested in starting your Airbnb business with little money, scaling your Airbnb business, or just learning tricks about the industry in general, check out our Airbnb course at nextlevelincome.com slash Airbnb. That's A-I-R, the letters B-N-B, and you'll get a 20% discount code. On today's show, we have Eng Tang. Eng currently runs Tozy Capital, a private equity investment firm with nearly 1,100 investors and 300 million of assets under management. He has 12 years of experience investing in real estate with thousands of units of multifamily, 10 senior living communities under management across states like Michigan, Missouri, Florida, Georgia, Virginia, and California. And he also runs a Bitcoin mining investment company with deployments across several states running on renewable energy. He's launching his first NFT and a DAO project and also runs a DeFi fund. Welcome to the Next Level Income Show, where it's our goal to raise your income, investments, and life to the next level with your host, Chris Larson. Get your free copy of his book at nextlevelincome.com forward slash book. Also, if you're an accredited investor, check out the invest link to learn how to gain access to institutional quality real estate opportunities. Bang, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm fired up here and I see the picture of uh, your beautiful wife and, and son there in the background. Yeah, yeah. I got to get an updated picture. I have two, two young boys, one and three. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm a little ahead of you. We're 10 and 12. So, but um, I, don't, I don't know if it gets easier or better, but it certainly is, is a fun ride the whole way. I, I hear it gets both e easier and harder. That's right. Well put. <laughs> Well put. Um, but Ing, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. I've heard your story. Um, uh, most people that are, that are listening here to the podcast haven't. So I'd really love for you to start with, you know, how you ended up in the United States, you know, um, kind of your, your story early on. And uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, me too. Uh, but first of all, thanks for letting me uh, on your show. And, you know, thanks for your audience for listening. Um, I like telling my story because it's a story that I think is both atypical and typical of the American dream, if you want to call it. Um, I was in a refugee camp in Thailand. Um, my, this is more my parents' story, uh, but I have heard of uh, tales from my parents that they trekked through the jungle with my, uh, with my older brother, who was one year at the time, carrying the neck and trying to be as quiet as possible while the soldiers were hunting uh, them. Uh, it, it was sort of the time of you know, the Cambodian genocide. Pol Pot was ruling Cambodia. My parents are Cambodian Chinese and the Cambodian Chinese uh, were uh, um, persecuted at the time. Uh, I was born in a refugee camp in the Thai border of uh, um, Cambodia uh, in, in Thailand. And I have some pretty pictures of me chasing chickens and in straw huts. Uh, don't remember too much of it, uh, but I came here when I was uh, just before three years old and was wow. lucky to you know, come to America and be you know, grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, grew very poor, uh, like most immigrants, but I don't think I've ever felt it. I don't think I've ever felt that I was poor or didn't have anything. Uh, it was just more uh, 
hey, we had ourselves, our family, and that was sort of the most important thing. Absolutely. No, it so is. And I think that is one of the things I, I really admire about Asian cultures is how, how close-knit the families are and how they, you know, my, my great-grandmother lived with my grandmother and it was, and she lived with um, my, my mother and, and my uh, aunts and uncles, my, gran- my, my great-grandmother did. So it was, it was really neat. I didn't, cause it was normal to me. I'd go there and I'd see, you know, all these generations together and it was really cool, but that's really not normal in America. You know, we were kind of, we're kind of more s- separated between generations. Um, yeah. It's uh, I think Western culture and me growing up in the West and being yeah, um, American as anyone else can be, uh, but also having a, you know, a little bit in Asia, um, Western culture is definitely more individual, yeah. which has lots of pros, um, some cons. And I think Eastern culture, if you want to call it that, is more collectivist, more family-oriented, um, putting the collective, in the, most cases, family above yeah. uh, uh, of themselves, which has cons and pros, pros and cons too. Yeah, yeah. But um, so you, you end up in LA. Yeah. Um, you grow up went to public school, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, let's fast forward a little bit. So you end up working for Apple, right? Yeah. What explain kind of transition us into your technology career and, and how that, um, how you got there. Cause that's, that's an impressive company to be working for in, in and of itself. So you fast forward a lot. Uh, yeah, I did. I know. That's why I was like, let's, you know, I'll, I'll fast forward and you can kind of catch us up. In the I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to so, bring us back a little bit. Yeah. Pull it, pull it back. Uh, I think one of the things that, I was always grabbing towards was um, uh, just trying to figure out how to, you know, make it in this world without really a lot of guidance from my parents. Like it's not like I had a dad or um, uncle or somebody who was in corporate America, right? My parents didn't have any uh, schooling at all. They didn't go to elementary school, didn't go to high school, middle school, not no school. Uh, really? So it's not like a typical Asian immigrant story where like PhD doctors or whatever it is. Now they definitely emphasize education, okay. so that's definitely part of my upbringing. Um, and I was really good. I was really good at um, data pattern recognition, which is was useful when I was in investment banking, and is useful when I was in tech. Um, so a lot of you know the reasons why I got into tech was uh, pattern recognition and data analysis. Um, I, my last job at Apple was leading data science in the Siri team. So imagine trillion, trillions of records of data parsing out every little thing that you say to Siri, if you're using Siri, uh, and trying to figure out how to make it uh, better, how to make it more, um, you know, uh, how, to, how to make it more responsive and understand everyone's accents and intonations and uh, desires and, and try to read their minds. So very interesting time. Uh, uh, but yeah, it is cool to get into tech because uh, I've been in lots of different companies, um, both in, uh, in media and direct TV and AT&T and then in investment banking. Um, so uh, I think tech, one of the better coaches out there. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, walk us through, how did, how did you end up at like catch us up through college as well? So you went to, you went to Wharton, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, again, you, you may, you're making these big leaps from, you know, fairly humble beginnings. Um, so why, you know, why tech, why'd you go to Wharton? What were your, what were your interests in high school, um, throughout that period? 
Yeah, uh, my high school experience was I went to nothing was ever intentional for me. It, um, as in, like my parents didn't set me up for this and this, which is now as I have two kids, I two kids as well. Yeah. Think like, okay, how do I set them up up for success? Um, I don't think my parents ever thought that. They probably always thought <laughs> like, how do we survive? How do we, you know, make it today? Uh, and so I went to like a public school that I remember we were the poster child, literally on an advertisement for a, a bond, a school bond program to get more funding for uh, schools in California. It was not a great school, lots of drive-bys and few shootings. And um, <laughs> I remember this uh, in microbiology class, this girl overdose in my, on the fell my lap and I had to like, hey, uh really so that was that was a memorable moment um uh but yeah i i what i loved was really um i i was day trading in high school i remember this trying to go into the public libraries before those phones before i had a cell phone for internet was widely available and 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 um trading uh on i think it was e-trade at the time Uh, And so I got really hooked on that. I really loved trying to look at these patterns. Um, so I thought, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to Wharton, economics, study economics. Um, uh, and at Wharton, uh, at Penn, I uh, played a lot of poker. And I, I, that's how I put my tuition uh, amongst my four really? uh, jobs that I had. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, won a couple of tournaments. And uh, I think professional, except for the fact that you know, when you're an immigrant who don't have much, who doesn't have much, you kind of have this, I think you're limited with this scarcity mindset. Like if, if you're, if you're like crazy about spending $5 or $10 meal, which by the way, I still, I am, I still begrudgingly like, ah, $10, $15. Should I get that? You know, I have like, Oh, I have more than I need at that point. Um, it's just my residual uh, upbringing, um, uh, but when you're when you hate losing money, it, it's actually pretty bad for both being a stock trader, which I was, and a poker player, which I was as well. Um, I overcame that with math and try reasoning it. You know, at the heart pounding moment of like putting a thousand dollars in the pot, or you know, more than that sometimes, yeah. um, uh, it was challenging. Uh, so it, it, that ties into sort of this whole concept where I like investing. I'm really good at it because I think I'm really good at math. Um, but I also hate trading. I hate losing money or the con- the feeling of it because yeah, you know, every little dollar feels like I need to have that. And I've been trying to get over it over time and time again. Um, I think I think more abundantly now. I hope hope that's what most of your um, audience and uh, know you do as well. Um, yeah, so I, I did a lot of different random things that led me to where I am now. Uh, yeah. I think all part of this narrative in the, the tapestry. Yeah, no, it's, we, we share, I was in college when I started day trading, same thing. It was like, oh, this is great. I still remember that first big loss though. Like, I mean, it just made me sick to my stomach um, for, for, yeah. for days and, and weeks. Um, and that's what ultimately led me to real estate. Cause I was like, I need something I can control more. And exactly. You know, I was like, this is great. So, um, so talk us through your first real estate investment. Yeah, I uh, was in financial, the financial industry and in investment banking. And I 
you know, the financial crisis just happened. Uh, I was, uh, so when did you, I'm sorry. So when did you came out of school? What year? Oh, six. Okay. So you were all right before the financial crisis. So you got a little, you got a little traction. Yeah. You got a little bit of traction. Yeah. Um, financial crisis happened. You're, uh, you were with, um, which I'm sorry, remind me again, which firm you're with then. I was, I was, I was Goldman Sachs. Yeah, you were, that's what I thought. Um, uh, and, and, um, uh, you know, I, I was firsthand for experience, you know, for, uh, just, just, just front row seats into the whole calamity and, uh, yeah. uh coming probably several months away. Um, uh, I was pretty young, so I didn't necessarily know how to react to it. Um, but one thing I reacted was I lost 60% of my, my net worth, right? Was, I worked hard for that. Yeah. I was making more money than I ever dreamed I could make. It was like $50,000, $60,000 a year, which is um, a lot to me back then. Uh, now it's like, yeah, I think people go into Apple nowadays, uh, freshman, you know, first year coming out of college, you can make easy in the UK. Um, and software engineering, so it's wild. Uh, but I felt that pain and I saw yeah. also that real estate was actually getting really great value. Um, so I bought my first real estate is triplex in LA, uh, and it lost 66 cents value was in a foreclosure. I, I, um, I, I made a, a bid on it and I won it. And then, um, the whole burr method didn't know what burr method was, but you know, I, I added paint. Uh, cabinets i was unemployed and so i had some time in my hands uh and then just re you know then i refinanced it out after uh six months and i got my equity back in the bottom up. so that first one i was making like a thousand dollars a month net um yeah. and i was like this is really nice i, I like it a lot better than making like ten thousand dollars in one trade or whatever it is i was like right. i like this predictability i like this stability and i got hooked on it I got hooked on investing. Uh, so that's it, it, the type of investing that I love, love nowadays. Yeah. But so, okay. And then it, but you still, you still worked in corporate America. So you continue on, you had, I mean, I mean, your, you know, your, your resume is pretty, pretty outstanding. You're with, I mean, you mentioned direct TV, you even had a couple other experiences um, before that your CFO for a period um, before you ended up at Apple um, when did you start to scale your real estate business and, and bring on other investors, um, either in syndications or as partners? Yeah, I didn't think that was going to be my trajectory. Um, I was buying real estate every year, also working. Uh, I went to the Peace Corps, right after the financial crisis. Most of my friends uh, went to, you know, to grad school, you know, tried to get, get safety in the in academics. Um, I went to Peace Corps in Republic of Georgia a year after Russia invaded and annexed Asia. Um, this is where I met my wife. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. She was a, a, a lone American voice, sea of uh, non American voices and English voices. Um, uh, and so it was very interesting times. Could get a story on that. Uh, but the whole time I had real estate. And I was trying to buy more real estate. And so I got really good at using it, doing the side hobby and yeah. thinking of it as like my, you know, my side hustle, my, my, you know, I wanted to just uh, leverage what I had, which was a nice W2 income, not, not back then at Peace Corps, but right after I came back, 
Red Games and then um, you know, a couple other companies. And uh, every time I just use my W2 income to just add another thing to my portfolio. And I got, by the time I was at Apple, I was making by my, you know, a couple of years into Apple, I was making enough of my passive real estate income and, you know, as passive as I could make it um, to, you know, offset sort of what I was making or make as much as I was making at Apple, which is significant. Uh, uh, and then I started really loving talking about it. And I I didn't really, you know, for many of us, we don't like talking about how much we make, um, what, how we make it and what we do. Um, and I, that's another, that's another thing about America. We love to talk about what we do, but we don't like to talk about how much we make at what we do. Yeah. 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 And, And so I was just to, because I'm not sure if you're honest or you, you were in corporate America, but, um, you know, you always sort of just talk about like, oh, how much does guy make? Oh, I should get promotion. I want to get this job. Yeah. And so that's so sort of my whole thought process all the time because I was trying to get more and more and more because trying to get that security yeah. for my family. Um, uh, and so I started to just talk about my real estate investing experience and realizing that, wait, you guys don't know about this? It's not doing this? This isn't a thing that people do? And, and I, uh, I remember that every cube mate that I had um, for three jobs, uh, all of them ended up buying real estate because of me. Uh, and I was, you know, I gave them my model and I, I helped them look at some deals. I made calls for them. I tried to figure out like, you know, uh, and I, so I really loved that. Yeah. Um, and it was only a couple of years ago that I started to scale up, as you say. Uh, and it was- I remember seeing some of your first, I think one of your, I think I saw your first, or one of the deals in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was the first deal of yours I saw. Yeah, it was uh, two years ago. Yeah. So, uh, two years ago, I um, made our first deal and raised some investor capital. Um, and I it was never really comfortable f- uh, to raise capital to ask people for money because I wanted to make sure that I was very comfortable with how this works. Yeah. Um, and so by that time, I was like, I do the deal myself, actually. I had enough money. I had built enough, well, I had a, a snowball engine that yeah. was just generating uh, capital and wealth. Um, but people kept asking me all the time, hey, can I, can I come in with you? Can I, can I, what can I, can I get in? Like, take my money. Uh, and so it was such a weird experience to, to do that and then realize that, oh, that's actually adding value to people. That's actually helping people. And that's what I love. I love being a service, presenting opportunities. Um, so that's, that's how I started Tozy Gapo and what I do now, I guess. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, and it is amazing. You know, you get to that point. And so I was in corporate America, I was always in sales. So it was a little bit more transparent because, you know, if a sales rep's paid on commission and you get paid 10%, just using mm-hmm. a, a round number and you sell, you know, 10 million worth of product, people know you made a million dollars. So, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. You have some um, very... Uh, very um, uh, strong personality, shall we say, in sales because those types of people gravitate. So it was a little less foreign to me, but yeah, it is wild. You know, you talk to these people and that's how we started too. It's, you know, investors would say, well, hey, Chris, what are you like, what are you doing? What are you buying? And next thing you know, it's like, well, how can I get in on that? Yeah, I was never in sales, but I, I, bet, I, it would, be I, bet, right. I bet it would have been made really good. Uh, I don't know why I wasn't in sales, probably because no one ever told me to be in sales. Probably because I was an Asian kid who was good in math. 
and get into the analog cells and data science, which I did very well anyways. Um, uh, but I realized that I was making, you know, I was really good at making deals and, and then yeah. presenting opportunities. And, you know, if you're in corporate America, you pitch to executives all the time. Right. Uh, and that's and, all sales is. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. I'm really good at making a good keynote PowerPoint. Uh, and I never knew that that skill set would uh, you know, transition to be actually useful outside corporate America. Yeah. And that's what, you know, look, if, if you're listening, and I know we have a lot of salespeople listen to the show, mm-hmm. sales is just about communication. And, mm-hmm. you know, people say, oh, I, I, I don't like to sell. And there's this conception um, that people say, oh, you know, you have the, uh, this good, good salesperson can sell ice to an Eskimo. That's probably not a good salesperson. Um, you know, it's, it's about fitting a need. And you came about your business and from a service mentality. And I think that's the idea. If you, if you go out and you try to provide value and you have the expertise and that empathy for other people, I think that's really at the core of what makes, makes a good salesperson. Um, so yeah. I, I believe that you would be good at sales. For, for I, I think uh, empathy and relatability is yeah. very critical. And then also simplicity. That's something that I learned at Apple, how to simplify things, my message yeah. to you know, uh, complicated tech piece technology into something that your mom can understand. Um, and so the kind of investments I do now, a lot of times, this is the first time people are investing in this type of asset category, whether it's senior living, Bitcoin mining, oil and gas, whatever it is. I yeah. love to just think about the, the problem of how do I explain this in terms that people can relate to? Um, and you by being deeply empathetic with who somebody is, what they are. So my background as an engineer and beta, uh, you know, dance, I can relate to other fellow engineers um, in Silicon Valley. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's actually a very big portion of our investor base. So I can relate to them. They, they're very analytical. They love thinking about the math of it. And I love to present that, um, but also relating it to, you know, their real world experiences. Yeah. That's certainly a good place to, uh, to, to have access to capital for sure. Um, so we started talking about real estate and you just talked about like senior living, which I think is going to be, is going to be big this decade. But then you said, you mentioned Bitcoin, oil and gas. So I've seen a transition with, with, um, what your company has been doing here, you know, over the past year or so Bitcoin, something that I set out last year to really educate myself on. Um, you've been investing in Bitcoin, buying Bitcoin for about a decade. Is that right? Yeah, almost nine years now, uh, since 2013. Um, so I've been buying, holding, selling Bitcoin. I should. I know every sold. time I hear you say, "I wish I didn't never sold it." You know, you never know. And, and by the way, even I, I bet five years from now, I would probably look back in this year or last year, and I, where I sold Bitcoin at 50 and like, hey, why did you do that? <laughs> Uh, when it's like, you know, 500K in five years or whatever it is. Uh, so you know, I can regret it now. I can regret it then. You regret everything you do. And it's just like, if you're not making decisions, you're not making, not making regrets. That's right. And you're not learning either, probably, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. all right. So tell us what got you interested in Bitcoin. Because when I, when I really dove in and learned about it, I, was, I, I had a, uh, an Austrian economics professor in my MBA okay. program. And it's, I never really knew until last year, kind of the history um, with, uh, with Bitcoin. So um, tell the audience a little bit about why you, why you got into Bitcoin in the first place. And I'd love to hear more about what your company's doing in that space. 
I got to Bitcoin because um, it was the only way to transact in certain markets. Um, you know, it was like digital uh, representation of uh, of a currency that you can then trade for um, a dollar. Um, and it was mostly for, it was a cool technology. I wanted to try it out. My, I, I In the circus, I was traveling and people talked about it a little bit. So I bought some, I used it. Uh, so I, I didn't buy it to hold it and like, oh, this is going to go wherever it's going to go. I, I never thought it would be where it is now. Um, but then I got into also the technical aspect of mining of, of it, which is just um, validating transactions like a Visa network. You validate uh, every transaction that you know you swipe your card in, and Visa takes a one point five percent fee or uh, maybe more. Uh, uh, and Bitcoin mining is very similar to that you're validating these transactions by sending Bitcoin a miner to validate that transaction. So I started to just do that on a home basis, and saw that I was making a couple of Bitcoin. You know, um, which back then wasn't that much. Um, I was like this, this is cool, you know, little passive income, uh, very relatable to my real estate. You know, set set it up upfront capital, get some cash returns, whatever it is, uh, depreciation, all the good stuff. Uh, and then realizing that, oh, as of last year, realized, oh, this is the game's changed. It's institutional scale now. Yeah. Not just Bitcoin, but Bitcoin mining. And when institutions come into any space they change the game and it makes it much more robust. Um, so I saw that happening and I thought this is a once lifetime opportunity to then get into this in industrial scale and make as much connections and be a forefront of this. And that's been doing it Tozi Capital, launching our uh, you know fifth fund and probably gonna be subsequent more uh, in Bitcoin mining. And I think it's a really interesting opportunity for um, myself, our, our investors. Yeah, no, I think it's fantastic. So just real quick. So when I was talking to my wife and, we, you know, to, uh, to be transparent, I've invested in two of your funds at this point. Um, and when I was talking to my wife, she's like, who are these miners? And I was like, no, 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 they're not miners. Like people like going to, you know, these are, these are, you know, these are computers essentially. Mm -hmm. So can you just recap that? And so when yeah. I share this episode with my wife, she can listen to this part. Um, uh that's a funny answer that because I do have investors who say, do these miners get a break? No, right. you know, yeah. The not not the ones who were in China now that we're, you know, the yeah, ones in the yeah. US. We, America, breaks, we get right? the good, you know, OSHA goals. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have safe spaces. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So they are computers, right? They are essentially just an algorithm and Bitcoin, you can talk about cryptocurrency. That's uh it's all on a code and we call these things called, we call it blockchain, which means that I send you Bitcoin and I have two Bitcoin and I send you one. Now the ledger will say that I have one and that you have one. Uh, and this thing will be written out in every computer that's on a network. And that's how we validate or uh, secure the network. Um, and what that means is no one can ever say that, oh, you don't have that much Bitcoin or, hey, we had a central bank issue or this, this sovereign you know, government you know, is sanctioning and freezing your assets and whatever it is, um, uh, rightly or wrongly. Uh, and, uh, and all those things happen because these computers exist 
to essentially inform the global network that these actions are happening and that um, uh, and and that's what a lot of new technologies in the blockchain universe are going to happen into. And Bitcoin is so that it has it's first of all one of the it's the first and one of the oldest uh, it's oldest uh, and there will be a finite age of 21 million Bitcoin in the world and the 19 million mine. What that means is every 10 minutes, one lucky computer gets 6.25 Bitcoin. It's a lot of Bitcoin now. Uh, and they do that by essentially doing these mathematical problems to guess this number. Um, and if you have a lot more computers, you have a higher chance of getting that lucky 6.25 Bitcoin. Uh, so just, it's like it's just pure math, pure math. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a thing about real estate. Like if you have, yeah. you, know, you have a set number of renters uh, and if you put more property, you know, you, everyone just gets a little bit less rent. Um, and it's, it's, it's very much a mathematical game, which I, I love math. So it, it's, yeah. it's very, very, it's caught me. I do too. I wasn't as smart as you. So they, they, they pulled me aside. My advisor said, you should go into sales, Chris. You have too much. You're not quite smart enough and maybe you have too much personality. So you you have to yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So why Tuzi? So I, why Tuzi Capital? What's the, what's the name come from? My wife got the name. She's, um, she's Chinese American. And uh, she, I was trying to give a name like her. To be, yeah, we run like a tech name because my tech background. I wanted like have a name like that. Tozi, Tolza. It's really the name. It's Mandarin for investment. So ah, okay. investment, yeah. invest your capital. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that. that's like, and and I mispronounce it myself all the time. So, so but, it's um, it's so how am I supposed to? I apologize. How well, am I, to say? I say Tozi, so that's how say people should probably say it. But in the in the correct pronunciation in Mandarin, which I don't speak very well. It's Tozi, uh, and uh, I will never say okay. like that, but it's Tozi, basically. Gotcha. Well, whatever you call it, I'll call it. <laughs> it's just yeah. fine. Um, well, and we're going to have to have you back because I'd love to dive even deeper into all these different things. I know there's a lot of listeners that want to learn more about what you're doing at, I'm going to mispronounce it, Tozi Capital, Tozi Capital. Um, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, learn more about what you guys are doing? Yeah, I'd love for everyone to, um, you know, send me an email, uh, probably take a little bit of time to reply, uh, go on our website, sign up, and then you'll be automatically added to our educational webinars, which we try to have once every month or so. Uh, and recently, I've been trying to get more education webinars on DeFi and, you know, yeah. crypto stuff. Um, but I love talking about taxes and senior living and all these investments. Like I'm just an investor. I just like to look at interesting opportunities and, and invest myself. And then if it makes sense, present to our investors. Uh, so that's, that's something that I will continue to always like. Uh, and if the road changes tomorrow, I'll probably find an, another investment that, uh, hopefully the investors will like, and I will probably invest in. Absolutely. Well, and we love your story. We love what you're doing here at Next Level Income because that's our mission to provide investors with education and the opportunities to do it. Thank you so much for sharing all that today. Thanks for having me, Chris. My pleasure. Hey, Chris here again. I hope you found this episode valuable. Now I have one more thing to gift you. We have a page for my coaching clients where you can get a free copy of my book as well as much more from previous guests on the show. Just check out nextlevelincome.com slash coaching to get a free copy of my book, audiobook, and much more. 
I'll send you a copy of my book and cover all the shipping costs as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Also, please like, share, and take just 90 seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.